0: Colossians chapter 3 this evening. Colossians the third chapter. We're working our way verse by verse through the epistle of Colossians. We have just a few messages left. We'll be in this letter of the word of God. And what a time we've had learning what the Lord has for us as we consider this book. I want us to think back, if you can, for just a few moments to last Sunday night as we spent some time in Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14 as a portion of last Sunday evening's text. And as you look back at Colossians 3, 12 through 14, what did we discover about how the qualities and characteristics described there relate to each other? And if you can remember back, we discovered that each of the characteristics and qualities in those three verses express themselves in relationship. Apart from relationship with someone else, you don't really have a need for mercy and kindness and humility of mind that leads to meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Those qualities and characteristics can only be expressed within relationship, within community. Trusting Christ places you in a body, in a community. And specifically within this body and community... And more generally, within the human community, the new man should be put on and displayed. When you connect your life, which is what? Christ, with your living, it's primarily expressed in how you build, maintain, and live in relationships. It should not be a surprise to us then that as Paul continues in this practical section of the book, that he does so within the context of relationship. He moves from the put off, that old man, put on the new man, and by the way, putting on the new man means mercy and and humility of mind that leads to meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another forgiving one another and as you think about those characteristics it becomes obvious oh well those things happen within relationships and then Paul says okay now I'm going to give you some specific applications and we find oh now Paul addresses relationships look at your Bible and follow along beginning in Colossians 3 verse 18 And we'll actually go into chapter 4, just the first verse. Notice what Paul writes. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye services, men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong, shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in... And so Paul connects how connecting life, which is what? Christ. With our... Living should revolutionize relationships. And that's the title of the message Revolutionized Relationships. And where should that begin, according to the apostle? In the home. Remember that in the context of Colossians 3, all of these relationships that Paul addresses husbands, wives, children, parents, even servants and masters, all of those relationships in his context were set within the home. Likely more than half of the people at the time that Paul wrote were what the Bible refers to, calls here servants. And most servants, often we apply this in the sense of employer-employee, and I think that's fine, but most servants in that day were not necessarily going out and working in a workplace, they were living with the family in the home, and serving the family in the home. So all of these relationships in Paul's context took place in the home. I believe that God wants us, those of us who believe on Christ and are part of his family to experience revolutionized relationships, beginning at home. Our relationships should be different than the relationships out there in general humanity relationships between husband and wife wife and husband parents and children children and parents if we want to use this context employers and employees employees and employers should look different than those out there generally in the world how should that play out how should they look different how should our relationships be revolutionized as we connect our life which is christ with our living well let's pray and ask god to help us to see this as we study his word together heavenly father thank you so very much for the opportunity to be in this place this evening and look to the word of god i pray tonight that as we study your word that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us to glean from you what you have for us. I pray that we would be able to take something with us that will help us to experience revolutionized relationships as we leave here in just a while. And we'll be sure to praise and thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Sir Edwin Landseer was one of the most famous artists of the Victorian era. His talent developed early, and even at the age of 13, he was already showing his work at the Royal Academy in the United Kingdom. He was commissioned to do a number of portraits for the royal family, including giving private drawing lessons to Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. But he was best known for his depictions of natural settings and life in the scottish highlands One day he was visiting a family there in an old mansion in england or in scotland and as they were being served by one of the household servants the household servant spilled the tray and, and spilled a, a lot of the liquid onto one of the walls of the home and it just stained the wall and it, it wasn't very attractive well, the family decided they were going to go out for a while, and Sir Edwin Lancier stayed behind for a while while the family was gone he didn 't try to get rid of the stain he didn 't uh, try to remove the reality of the stain there on the wall instead, he included the stain in a in a drawing in a painting that he began to do on the wall while the family was out and When the family returned, they were surprised to find. That Sir Edwin Landseer had been able to incorporate that stain into a beautiful drawing of a waterfall surrounded by trees and animals. He used his skill to take something that was a mass and to make it beautiful. And isn't that what God does in our lives? God works much the same way. Not only does God wants to transform our individual lives To take the mess and the brokenness And transform it into a beautiful portrait of his grace But God also wants to do the same in our relationships He can take what is a mess And make it beautiful And so I want to say this tonight first Before we get into some of the truth of Colossians chapter 3 Perhaps tonight you have a relationship that's a mess. Maybe it is a marriage relationship. Maybe it's a relationship with one of your children. Maybe it's a relationship with a neighbor. Maybe it's a relationship with a coworker. I don't know, but perhaps tonight if you have a relationship that you look at tonight and you think that relationship is a mess, it's not what it ought to be. I want to encourage you that God can take the messes of our lives and make something beautiful. The home and the family are under attack in our culture today. That's clear to anyone with eyes that are open. Gender and sexual confusion has brought more opposition to the traditional family. We see it in the even the Stands of certain political views, they, they literally put right in their platform that they stand against what the Bible says is the traditional family. And while we stand on the truth of God in light of these issues, we cannot deny the reality that the greatest enemy to our homes and the relationships within our homes is not just outside of our home. I'm going to be honest with you tonight. The greatest enemy to my family personally is not the gender and sexual confusion that we see out in the world. The greatest enemy to the relationships in my home already lives inside my home. You see, the enemy is invited into our homes when we fail to live out God's truth in our lives and relationships When I fail to connect my life which is Christ to my living in my home And in my relationships within my home within my relationships within my church family I have invited the enemy in to do his work at destroying The very foundation of my relationships of my home And so I want you to understand this evening friends Don't take those things out there hurt your home It can happen as you fail to connect your life with your living within your relationships beginning at your home Paul tells us that connecting our life which is christ to our relation or excuse me to our living touches all of our relationships He demonstrated how doing so revolutionizes those relationships beginning at home. So I want us to look at this passage tonight and see how relationships are revolutionized by connecting our life with our living. And the text displays three ways that our relationships will be revolutionized. So I'm going to handle this passage a little differently often when we hear this, we're going to hear the wife address and the husband address and the children address and the servants address, master's address. I'm not going to handle it that way tonight. I'm going to draw some of the more general truths, general truths, but maybe a little more under the surface out for us. And it's going to apply to all of us, regardless of what our homes looks like, regardless of the relationships that we interact with. These will help us. Number one, I want you to see this. Those who live out revolutionized relationships recognize the need to be like Christ. Look, if you're going to have and experience revolutionized relationships in your home, if you're going to have the relationship with your spouse that God wants you to have, If you're going to have the relationship with your parents that you should have as a child. If you're going to have the relationship with your children and train your children in the way that God would have you to. If you're going to have the relationship with an employer or an employee or or with just others in the family of Christ or in general humanity. You and I are going to need to recognize the need to be like Christ. And I'll tell you in my experience Preaching related to the home may be the preaching where the need for grace has been the most absent and that's unfortunate I want you to think about this for a moment You step back just a few verses to verses 12 through 14 Where we need to put on the new man, which is characterized by mercy and kindness and And humility of mind that is lived out through meekness and long-suffering And forbearing one another and forgiving one another And you think about those qualities and characteristics and then ask yourself the question Where is that Going to be Most lived out in my life? Where is the need for that going to take place the most? And if you think about it, you'll come to the conclusion Those qualities, those characteristics will need to be lived out most with the people you spend the most time with and are closest to. And who are the people that you typically spend the most time with and are closest to? Those within your own home, your household, your spouse, your children your parents, maybe grandchildren. Maybe it's it's co-workers that you rub shoulders with a lot. Maybe it's a brother or sister in in Christ right here within the body of Christ. The reality is that those that you're going to have to demonstrate these qualities to, mercy and kindness and forgiving and forbearing are going to be the ones that you spend the most time with the truth is that the place you're going to experience the reality of the brokenness of this world that you live in is that's where we're going to see it demonstrated the most you're most likely to need to say i am sorry And I forgive you to those you spend the most time with. Transparently, as I think over the course of my life, as I go back to my early life, guess who I had to say I'm sorry to the most? My parents and my siblings. Now now that I'm married and in my own home and have established my own household, guess who I have? Say, I'm sorry to the most. My wife and my children. Is anyone else like that? Or is that just, you know, no, pastor, you're weird. And so the reality is, isn't it, that in your household and mine, the place where brokenness is the most experienced the place where we most need to exhibit the qualities of a new man showing mercy and kindness and humility of mind that is demonstrated through meekness and long-suffering forbearing one another and forgiving one another is in my house the relationships that i find within my house now i want to say we have responsibilities to one another in our relationships don't we and we'll speak about that more but the reality is that we will not be perfect there's no perfect husband no perfect wives no perfect dads no perfect moms now i know i know what happens we build up an image don't we You're you're dating and you're engaged and you build up an image and you get to the altar and oh This is going to be perfect. This is going to be great. It's going to be a perfect wedding day that's going to lead to a perfect life and Perfect maid and all of those things and then it doesn't take very long does it? We sensationalize having that first child and we imagine all that all the daisies and buttercups that life with our first baby is going to be and then what happens that first night in the hospital and you go what did I do what have I done to myself my wife was sharing with me I shared with someone this morning I think just this past week that from the time a, a couple has a baby till they feel like they're getting sufficient sleep again is six years and I said no wonder we've been tired for seven plus years straight and it's going to continue at least another six or seven We're not perfect, are we? And that shows up day after day after I day So what do I mean by recognizing the need to be like christ? Here's what I mean by that If we're going to have the relationships that god wants us to have it's not about being perfect It's about recognizing that if we're going to have the relationships that god wants us to have We're going to need to be like christ in forbearing with one another in forgiving one another and above all things choosing charity Isn't that what he said? Forbearing one another forgiving one another verse 13 If any man have a quarrel against any even as christ forgave you So also do ye verse 14 and above all these things put on Charity, which is the bond of perfectness. 1 Corinthians 13, you know the passage, but listen to it. Charity suffereth long and is kind. What does he say? The right kind of love. What's the first quality of it? It what? Suffers long. Do you know what that means? Within those relationships where love is to be found, even when it's the right kind of love there's going to need to be some long-suffering involved. It's kind, it envieth not, it vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And then verse 13, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. So listen to me, if we're going to have relationships that are revolutionized through connecting our life, which is Christ, with our living, we're going to need to recognize the need to be like Christ. It's going to take forbearing and forgiving and choosing love above all things. I had the privilege just this past summer of officiating the wedding of Luke and Rachel Eichmann. And it struck me as I prepared how necessary love that is full of grace is in a marriage and I think about it as we approached the wedding before the wedding we all got together the day before and had a rehearsal And during a rehearsal for a wedding, what are you doing? You're going through the ceremony again and again Needed to work out any kinks so that the couple can have their perfect day that perfect wedding that they're looking for and it struck me how much that does not picture real life how often in real life do we get rehearsals how often in relationships do we get do-overs the reality is, in relationships, we don't get to practice. We we don't just get to go back and have a do-over. Relationships are made up of broken, imperfect people living in a broken, imperfect world, and there are going to be times of conflict. There are going to be times when hurtful words are spoken, and you can't just go back over. Love of a lesser quality might walk away Or maybe say well, i'll give you a second chance But neither one is the quality of love that comes from god and should define the believer in jesus christ Love that is of that quality The love that comes from god and should define the believer in jesus christ is is love that lives out the gospel Through being full of grace and what does that look like? Can I remind you of what it looks like in the gospel? God loved us when we were unlovely. God loved us when we didn't deserve to be loved. God loved us even when we were in the wrong. God loved us when there was nothing in us worthy of his love. The love that we should have for one another within relationships is that kind of love. It is full of grace in the same way that God loves and is gracious to us. When I love you, when I love those within my home, my wife and my children, as I love my parents, as I love you as brothers and sisters in Christ, that love should be a love that lives out and displays the gospel day after day after day. I'm going to choose to love even if someone is unlovely. I'm going to choose to love even if there's nothing worthy of the love. I'm going to choose to love even when that person's in the wrong. That is the kind of love and grace that should fill our relationships. And that is what it means to recognize the need to be Christ-like. If we're going to experience revolutionized relationships, we need to recognize the need to be like Christ. Number two, those who live out revolutionized relationships prioritize pleasing Christ. Isn't it amazing? That in these nine verses, chapter 3, verse 18 through chapter 4, verse 1, where these household relationships are discussed, in these nine verses, seven times, the Lord is made the subject of our living. Notice the phrases that make it clear. In verse number 17, he says, As it is fit in the Lord. In verse number 20, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. In verse 22, fearing God. In verse 23, as to the Lord. In verse 24, of the Lord. In verse 24, again, for ye serve the Lord Christ. In verse 1 of chapter 4, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Over and over, Paul makes the subject of behaving this way in relationships not another person but the lord jesus christ isn't it true that we are prone in our relationships to behave within a relationship in response to another person i'm going to act toward you this way in response to the way you act toward me i'm going to act this way in this relationship i'm going to carry myself in this way in reaction to you But is that what Paul says here? Does Paul tell me as a husband to treat my wife a particular way because of the way she treats me? Does Paul tell wives, wives do this in relation to your husband because he's a perfect man and that's what you should do with a perfect man? Does God say, hey, children, obey your parents in the Lord? Or does he say, obey your parents because your perf- parents are the perfect picture of godliness? Does, does Paul say, uh, hey, parents, treat your children this way because they're the perfect little angels that you always imagined they would be? And we could go on and on. And the answer is, no, of course not. What does Paul make the foundation of how I treat others in relationship Jesus And The desire there should be in my heart To please Him Now again I want you to please hear and know my heart Because I've heard this kind of preaching Preaching that places the burden of responsibility For one person on another person Misses the entire point point. And I've heard it Wives, you should do this only in this situation husbands. You should do this only in these situations and that's what it's made out to be And and if one goes off the rail, it's because you failed in your responsibility And if the other goes off the deep end, it's because you failed in your responsibility Preaching that is focused that way completely misses the point And we're prone to live that way My responsibility as a man, as a husband, as a father is to do right before the Lord regardless of the actions of anybody else. My responsibility as a husband is to do what is right regardless of how my wife responds or doesn't respond. My responsibility as a father is to do right with my children regardless of their response. My responsibility as a child to my parents is to do right regardless of how they live out their lives. My responsibility is to the Lord, not to another person. And so you need to recognize it's the teaching of this passage in all of Scripture that my behavior should have its basis in Jesus Christ period even in my relationships I should behave to love my wife and not be bitter against her to love her as Christ loved the church to dwell with her according to knowledge because of my connection with Jesus and nothing short of that nothing outside of that and so as a husband I will love my wife well not because she behaves as a wife whale well i'm not going to make the decision to fail because i feel like she's failed in some way And, and that shouldn't be true of her toward me my children toward me or me toward my children i'm not absolved of my responsibilities within relationships based on the other person And I think we would say, I understand that, but is that the way we always act? I know we all live in a messed up world, and things do not always operate according to God's design. There are some, perhaps even right here, who have broken marriages, broken homes, broken relationships. And there are a multitude of reasons why these things happen And it is impossible to deal with every situation like that in a message like this But regardless of all of that this truth remains In every one of those situations We're to prioritize pleasing christ And that should be our single undivided motivation and desire of our lives And when we do We will experience a revolution in our relationships Notice number three and we'll be done Those who live out revolutionized relationships remember that they will give account to christ I want you to notice how he puts it specifically to servants here In verses 22 and following servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with high services men Pleasers but in singleness of heart fearing god again my single undivided attention should be to please Christ. But he goes on and says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, is to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. What is Paul drawing out in this part of the text? that we're all going to give an account to Christ. And listen, when you stand before the Lord, you're not going to give an account. Can I put it in in, again just personally? I'm not going to give an account to the Lord as a husband for how good a wife I ended up having. I'm going to give an account as a husband for whether or not I fulfilled my duties before him as a husband to her. I'm not going to give an account of God, uh, 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 to God of how well my children lived their lives. I'm going to give an account to God on how I was as a father in training them up in the way they should go. Bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. As a, as a pastor Hebrews 13 talks about How you should obey them that have the rule over you for they watch For your souls as they that must give an account But can I say this? I'm not going To give an account before the Lord for all The decisions that you make I'm going to Give an account for the Lord for how Well I fulfill my responsibility To shepherd the flock to preach the Word line upon line Precept upon precept preaching the whole counsel of God but I can recall conversations with teenagers about this in relation to my parents. Hey, pastor, I know I'm struggling with rebellion, but my dad's not the perfect dad. Now, they didn't say it that way. My dad doesn't spend time with the Lord every day like he should. My dad doesn't lead in family devotions like he should. I know I'm struggling with rebellion, but my dad and mom, this, that, and the other. My response was always the same. You're not going to give an account of your dad. Of your mom, but of yourself We should be more concerned With what Jesus sees than what others see Because ultimately we're going to give an account To him, we answer to him Keep in mind We're going to give an account of ourselves Not the actions or lack thereof Of someone else so wherever you are in life, and whatever the makeup of your home is today, connecting your life with your living will revolutionize relationships. Recognize the need to be like Christ. Determine to prioritize pleasing Christ, and remember that you will give an account to Christ your relationships in your home need you To take these steps Can I say tonight that having right relationships is not the key to salvation jesus is And so if you don't know him believe on him and he'll forgive you, but if you do God wants to transform our relationships Sometimes they end up a little messy But God can make something beautiful out of them. Maybe tonight it's your marriage relationship that's struggling, is a little messy. God can transform it and make it beautiful. Maybe it's a relationship with a wayward child that is a a difficulty. God can take what is messy and make it beautiful. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's some other relationship. Can I encourage you, wherever you are and whatever that looks like for you tonight, practice putting these steps in place. You focus on being Christ-like. You prioritize pleasing Him above all else. And remember that you're going to answer to Him for yourself. And live out that truth. Let's bow together father Thank you so very much for how you give us practical help for our relationships through your word And I pray tonight that as we all have relationships that we experience Within our homes outside of our homes Lord help us to remember That our responsibility is not the other person per se our responsibility is certainly not the actions of another person. but Our responsibility is to you. And to live as you would have us to. And so help us to be Christ-like. Help us to prioritize pleasing Christ as we remember that we will stand one day before him and give an account of ourselves. And we'll be sure to praise and thank you for it in Jesus' name.